You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hi, good morning, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Jackie Alamany, a congressional investigations reporter here at the Washington Post. And my guest today is the Democratic governor of Washington State, Jay Inslee. Governor, welcome to Washington Post Live. Good morning. And uh, remember to everyone watching today, we always want to hear from you, our audience, so you can share your thoughts and questions for guests on Washington Post Live by tweeting at Post Live. Uh, Governor, it's been less than two weeks since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. You met virtually with President Biden on Friday. What did you discuss about the impact of that decision and, and what do you want to see President Biden do next? Well, we talked about how the federal government could uh, partner with us and assist us in our states that seek to be sanctuaries. Uh, our state intends to be a full sanctuary for all American women who want uh, these health care services. And so we talked about the ways the federal government could assist in that effort. And there are several. Obviously, number one, we're glad the president has come up, uh, come out against the filibuster. So we, we get a couple more votes in the U.S. Senate to actually pass a, a national law protecting this right. But before that happens, there are several things the federal government can do. Uh, I, I suggested to the president uh, an executive order to order the law enforcement agencies and the security agencies of the federal government to not cooperate with local prosecutors or law enforcement that tried to put their tentacles into my state when we try to protect uh, women from other states to get these reproductive services. So uh, uh, telling the FBI, Homeland Security, not to cooperate with other local law enforcement to try to prosecute women who come to our state, that could be helpful. It sounded like the president was interested in this idea. He's going to, he's going to uh, review it. Uh, it's important that the federal government uh, sort of jawbone the data uh, collection agencies and the communications industry so that they protect the privacy of women. There's enormous personal information on and communication websites uh, about uh, women's privacy and their health. That needs to be protected. And we either need a federal law or at a minimum, these agencies uh, should come out and say they're gonna protect this, these privacy rights. Uh, third, and I think what ultimately may be the most important thing is to uh, make clear that women in America are entitled to access to uh, Food and Drug Administration approved pharmaceuticals that can provide this service. And I think the, frankly, the most efficient, safest way to solve this is for women across the country to get telemedicine, be able to uh, have a meeting with a physician in Washington, even though they're in another state, have a prescription for this pharmaceutical that is FDA approved and have that mailed to the women no matter where they are. And these are, we believe, uh, a good uh, reason to believe that the federal law, which has shown that these are safe, effective pharmaceuticals, uh, trumps any state effort to deny access to these safe legal pharmaceuticals across the country. Uh, the president indicated they are reviewing that to see how to enforce such a thing, what litigation may be involved to make it clear that we can go that route. I actually think that could be the most powerful thing to, to provide sanctuary for American women. And Governor, this decision, we've all known, it's been coming for quite some time now, really since Amy Coney Barrett uh, was confirmed as, as a SCOTUS justice. Uh, I'm wondering if you feel that the Biden administration and the White House was sufficiently prepared from a policy perspective for the decision to be overturned a few weeks ago. 
Oh, I think, you know, it'd, it'd be nice if within 24 hours we all have the full game plan. There is a reason to really read the decision first to figure out what's in the realm of the possible. Uh, but I do believe and if the president didn't well, the have decision, the, the decision was leaked last month right. and word by word was essentially the same as the initial uh, Alito opinion leak. Well, I tell you, I'm a governor, and uh, I, I think that'd be great if within 24 hours we had the full federal response that was game planned out. I'm a little uh, reluctant to criticize presidents who, at the same time dealing with this, have to deal with the Ukraine and inflation and shootings, mass shootings around the country. But I do believe the administration is on the right track now. Uh, it was a very engaging conversation with the president. He obviously uh, understands this issue. I do believe they're going to get to the right place, including, by the way, one thing we didn't mention is federal financial help to our states, because obviously there's a lot of uh, financial need to provide these services. Uh, we've appropriated about eight and a half million dollars in our state to be able to provide services when, for women who do come to our state. Uh, so having federal help in that regard, uh, I, I hope and I believe will be forthcoming. That's an important part of this. And after his meeting with the all the governors, President Biden had said that uh, he was going to get home on Friday from Madrid and was going to have an announcement to make then. What announcement are you anticipating from him? I wouldn't have a game plan. To, I don't have any inside intel to share with you in that regard. I hope it is assertive, aggressive, and willing to have uh, litigation about these issues. I mentioned this issue about the FDA-approved drugs. Uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. We should not be leery at all of, of, of having that tested in the courts. Uh, we should not be passive in this regard. This is a constitutional right that has been stripped from American women by a Republican court that is leading us down to the road to minority rule. This is a very dangerous moment in America where the Supreme Court has decided to, uh, to eliminate majority rule on guns. Americans want gun safety. But the Supreme Court took that away. Americans want freedom of choice for women. They took that away. Americans want action on climate change. And the Supreme Court said that the minority is now going to run uh, the country. And so we should not be passive in this. We should be aggressive. If we have to push the bounds of these matters, we should do so. And uh, that's what we hope the president will do in, in every, uh, every way possible. And I want to get into a little bit more about what you're doing in Washington. You want an amendment to your state constitution that guarantees a right to abortion. What are the prospects for that passing? Short term, not good because we need a supermajority in our legislature. We have Democratic majorities, but they're not supermajorities. So at the moment, until we have more Democrats, it will be difficult to actually pass that. But I do believe it is an important thing. And it's important for people to vote against a party who wants to take away this right. And having this constitutional amendment uh, uh, an issue uh, will also help to clarify what's on the ballot this year. So we do want to make clear we intend to try to pass a constitutional amendment. And the more Democrats that are in legislative seats, the better chance we'll have to do that to then go to the, uh, the voters for, for approval. States do have the right, and this, this is important, I think it's important to stress, Every state legislative race in America today is, is a race where we have an opportunity to protect this choice because state legislative bodies now can make these decisions. And people, if you're listening to this, 
and maybe you've revoted, voted Republican in the past, that party has left you. And there's only one party right now that is available to you to protect a woman's right of choice, who will take action on climate, who will act reasonably on gun safety. Shoot, I just, you know, we just had this shooting uh, the other day. And the first thing I do is I, I heard a conservative radio show talking about we need more guns. Look, we need people in these state legislative races to rescue this country, state legislative race and governor's races. The governor's races are so important now because that is the place where we can protect these, these uh, ancient values of majority control and common sense decency to protect us against what is threatening our families. Guns, uh, the loss of reproductive health and the climate change is eating us alive and, and it is we just had a town you know been around for hundreds of years in north central washington now is under three to five feet of mud this morning because of two inches rain unprecedented never happened before <laughs> we need to vote democrat this year I do want to talk about that EPA ruling with you, but have one more question on the topic of uh, Roe v. Wade. You had joined a compact, uh, as you mentioned, with Oregon and California to try to create, uh, quote, a safe haven for all people seeking abortions. I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit more how that would work in practice, if it would rely on federal funding, uh, and if you think that there's any sort of electoral backlash or repercussions that might strike people uh, if powerful states join together to try to defy a, a court ruling from the highest court in the land? Well, look, we are taking action already just within hours lately of that decision. We'd announced we would issue an executive order to my law enforcement, our state patrol, to prohibit them from cooperating in investigations from other states. Uh, we intend to pursue legislation as soon as my uh, legislature comes back into session to extend that requirement to all of our law enforcement agencies. As I've indicated, we put up eight and a half million dollars to help increase uh, access to the services that are available to people. And this is a real thing for us, obviously, because we're right next to Idaho. So we're seeing already people coming from Idaho who need these, these services. We've already talked about uh, data protection. So we've, we've already taken action in our state. Uh, Oregon and California have done very similar things and intend to do so. And what we wanted to do, we had an Oregon, California, Washington uh, agreement so that everybody knows the West Coast is a sanctuary, not just one state, to make this available uh, 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 to everyone uh, in the nation. Now, as I've indicated, we will, uh, we will fight like the Dickens in any litigation to protect our ability to take these actions, including this FDA issue. We have a very effective telemedicine system in our state where women can contact a physician in our state from anywhere actually in the world and get good reproductive advice and prescriptions. And we intend to guard our ability for our physicians to provide that telemedicine help. And we need the federal government then to help us uh, affirm that the FDA has primacy over this issue so these can be shipped to, to women across the country. That, I predict, will be a major issue. Uh, we intend to prevail. Women deserve it. Now, shifting to a topic I know you're particularly passionate about. Last Thursday, the Supreme Court ruled to restrict the EPA's ability to regulate greenhouse gases. You were strongly critical of this ruling, saying that the federal government would now be much less effective at limiting pollution and shift more of the burden to the state. How is Washington state going to pick up some of that burden? 
Well, we have to recognize a reality. At the moment, under this Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court has kneecapped uh, the ability of the federal government to act uh, boldly and forcefully against climate pollution. And we have to understand in my state that that means we have to accelerate our efforts. Now, we've been uh, peddling really hard in our state against climate change. I think it's fair to say that we have the <clears throat> probably the most aggressive and environmentally just climate change and clean energy policies in the country. Others have done great work. Uh, California's doing some good work. Oregon's doing some good work. So, but we need to accelerate it because even in our state, given the, the uh, hole in the federal effort, our state is gonna have to accelerate our efforts to reduce pollution. Uh, we've got a great zero, 100% clean electrical grid bill. We have uh, the nation's best uh, cap and invest bill to restrain pollution and invest it that also embraces environmental justice because we know the communities that have been swallowing this pollution longest are the, those who are living in, in poverty and BIPOC communities. We have a good low carbon fuel standard. We just uh, prohibited uh, hooking up gas and commercial vehicles after 20, uh, commercial uh, buildings after 2023. But we need to continue to accelerate those efforts actually to meet our, our state's own climate goals. So the message is the federal government now has is, is driving a car with three wheels, but we need to accelerate ours in states and that'll be the case. Now here's the good news, actions are taking place. Uh, I and uh, former Governor Brown helped form the US Climate Alliance a few years ago when Trump came into office. We now have 24 states that are part of the US Climate Alliance that are taking measures against climate change. So over 60% uh, of the U.S. economy is, is, uh, comes from these 24 states. These states are making action against climate change. And again, this is another reason why governor's races are so important this year, so that the work of Steve Sisolak in Nevada and Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan uh, can continue to advance the ball against climate change. Uh, I look out my window here, I live in a little island just west of Seattle, and I say the effects in my hometown, we had a kelp forest that used to be out here, disappeared that helped our endangered salmon live, actually disappeared because the waters of Puget Sound are getting too hot for kelp to live in. Salmon could not go up our local river because the waters were too hot. We had the most dangerous air quality in the world, I'm sad to say, last summer, when the Metal Valley was on fire and the smoke, our kids couldn't go outside for, for a week and play, literally. So we need state action. We're getting it from democratic states and democratic governors. And, and, but we have to understand this is just the beginning of the Supreme Court sort of reign of terror. I hate to use that term, but I think it's true. Uh, this effort to prevent the majority will in this country has just started. You know, they just took this case Moore versus Harper, which threatens our basic ability to count the votes and have fair representation in the House of Representatives. So we're gonna to have to be more aggressive in our states and that's gonna be the, the order of the day. And you're also working on a proposal for Washington to move away from natural gas. How is that going to work? Well, uh, because we now have electricity. Ben Franklin helped us discover it a long time ago. And now we can heat and air condition our homes very, very effectively and cost effectively with heat, with heat pumps. And so our building code council last a few months ago basically said we're not going to 
going to uh, hook up commercial buildings to natural gas after 2023. They will consider a similar uh, proposal this fall for residential buildings. And fortunately, we have an extremely effective uh, technology of heat pumps and how can replace natural gas, which isn't natural, it's dirty. And there really is a reality we have to face. The gas that comes out of the ground we're now putting in our homes is dirty. It pollutes our homes. Uh, uh, children who live in homes with natural gas are 25% more likely to develop asthma. Now, last week, there was research that came out that showed that the uh, carcinogens that come out of natural gas uh, stoves are much, much more prevalent than we originally thought. Benzene, very dangerous carcinogen, comes out of your stovetop if you're using natural gas. And so our new science has shown you know, natural sounds good, but it's actually dirty and it's dangerous and the health impacts are profound. And when people start to find out this, they're going to, I think, recognize that doing inductive stovetop cooking works really well. You know, Microsoft, they're renowned for the great food they have for their employees. And uh, they swapped out to go to inductive cooking. Gas is fun because it's so variable, but inductive is even better and it's available. So basically we have a technology that's available to us. It is much better for indoor air quality. It prevents children from breathing carcinogens in your home and it reduces climate change gases, which are so dangerous right now. We have to wean ourselves away from dirty gas. We're taking major steps to do that in Washington state. And at the same time, we're building one of the best economies in the United States. I always stress that I try not to finish a paragraph without talking about the economic benefits of clean energy. We're replacing these dirty fossil fuels with battery technology. Company just went in with hundreds of employees in Moses Lake, Washington, making silicon anode batteries. Uh, we have the largest manufacturer of solar panels in the Western Hemisphere in Bellingham, Washington. They're expanding rapidly. We have a, a fuel cell company that runs on hydrogen that can power a locomotive in Seattle. So we're building a clean energy economy while we're taking care of our children's health. Your vivid description of natural gas paints a, a rather grim picture. I'm wondering what you make of the Biden administration and, and the White House's pivot towards now supporting European goals to displace Russian energy imports. Uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan has recently said that the U.S. supports efforts to, to ramp up natural gas production uh, from somewhere other than Russia. Is, is that a mistake from the Biden administration? I wouldn't necessarily say that. I say that I think we have to do two things simultaneously. One, we have to plan for the long term to wean ourselves off to natural gas. That means we have to build infrastructure as fast as we possibly can to replace natural gas and certainly coal-fired uh, electricity. We have to do that. There's no question about that. Simultaneously, while the Putin is in, in invading Ukraine, short-term keeping the economy from collapsing in Western Europe is a reality we have to face as well. We ought to be able to do both those things at the same time. But the key is we have to wean ourselves ultimately long-term off this, this infrastructure. And that means building other infrastructure. Simultaneously, while we're responding to Putin's war, we have to build infrastructure that will replace fossil fuels. That means solar wind. That means potentially advanced nuclear, which we're developing here in Washington state. It means uh, more efficiency. It means certainly the advent of battery technology, which is 
absolutely key to, to finishing the renewable portfolio that we intend to embrace. So I think the building the replacement is, is, is as important right now as looking at cessation of usage. Both have to happen simultaneously. And you briefly ran for president in 2020, declaring that climate change was the most urgent challenge of our time. Are you thinking about running again in 2024? Well, um, it's no secret that I ran for president, but it seemed like one at the time. I will tell you that. Uh, I, I have no plans beyond serving uh, in my third term as governor, which I'm very engaged in. Uh, it's been a very engaging time to be govern governor during COVID. We're fighting some great battles on climate change here. We're making some uh, steps that other states are following, frankly. So I feel I'm, uh, I'm serving a, a useful purpose right here. And the message on whether or not Joe Biden is going to run again in 2024 has been a bit murky. Do you think that he should run for re-election? I think that's his decision. And he has said he intends to run and I listen to what he has to say, but it's his decision. He's grappling with a lot of challenges right now. I'll tell you one thing, I'm glad uh, he defeated Donald Trump and uh, I hope uh, relinquished him to the dustbin of history. And right now, I think he deserves our support in his effort to pass a clean energy bill through the Senate. This is of critical importance right now. Uh, I, I've spoken to Senator Schumer recently about that. We uh, do have an expectation that we will come out with a climate change bill this year that will reduce our dependence on coal and our electrical grid. Uh, those talks are continuing, and I encourage the president to do everything humanly possible to get that deal done. I believe he's, and I've talked to him about this, I believe him that he's going to do everything possible to, to fashion and forge an agreement that can pass with Senator Manchin's uh, signature. It's not going to be a perfect bill, but it needs to be net improvement against this toxic material that we're breathing right now. And I'm very hopeful he can achieve that. And I want to get to a question from our viewers, Governor. We have Trudy rising from Canada who asks, don't you think Biden has no choice but to be bold and simply make the Supreme Court bigger now? To follow up on, on that question, I, I'm wondering, would you support an expansion of the Supreme Court from the current nine members? Well, I think there is a legitimate reason to, to try to hew to stability in our judicial system and not upset it, upset the apple cart every time decisions don't go your way. I think that's a legitimate concern. I will tell you though, that uh, if I was running the show, we would have a remedial change in the Supreme Court. And here's what I mean. The Republican Party through Mitch McConnell's unconstitutional refusal to hear a Supreme Court nominee during President Obama's term was clearly a violation of every single value and norm that we hold dear to try to have a fair judicial system. The Republican Party stole a Supreme Court seat from the American people, not from the Democratic Party, from the American people. And we ought to expand the Supreme Court at a minimum by one seat. And that seat was stolen. So I would certainly support that effort. Would that change everything? Maybe not, but it's the right thing to do. It's the fair thing to do. Uh, to, to write that grievous wrong. And this 4th of July weekend was marred with yet another mass shooting. After the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas last month, you ended a tweet by saying, your turn, Congress. What do you want Congress to do now that they're not doing? 
everything they can in a reasonable fashion. Uh, assault weapon prohibitions, uh, we want to move in, in that direction. Age limits are appropriate. Uh, training requirements uh, are appropriate. Uh, gun security safety measures are appropriate. Red flag warnings are appropriate, uh, along with attention, obviously, to mental health. And, and obviously, the Supreme Court has put some limits on that regard, again, in an unconstitutional, clear violation of what the Second Amendment means. You know, the Second Amendment very starts with the first language, uh, uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right uh, will not be abridged. Tell, was, this, was this shooter the other day in a, in a well-regulated militia? I don't think so. This whole decision to think that the Second Amendment protects mass shooters is nuts. Now, we're stuck with that at the moment with this Supreme Court. And someday another Supreme Court may get us back to what the Second Amendment really meant. But in the interim, we should be aggressive to pass the measures that are necessary to bring some common sense decency and safety to our streets and our families. And we are now four months from the 2022 midterms. There are indications that Republicans could possibly take back control of both houses of Congress. What is your prognosis and your argument for keeping Democrats in power? My prognosis, I'm going to vote. I'm going to get everybody I know to vote. I'm going to do what everybody does who's listening to this, which is talk to your nieces and nephews and your cousins, and your neighbors and their children and get people to vote. And the more people to vote, the more we'll have majority decision making. And if we have more majority decision making, the things that I believe in and I believe the vast majority of Americans believe in will move forward. Action on climate change, finding a way to protect a woman's right of health common sense gun uh, legislation. All of those things, we've got the best chance of protecting when people vote. And if more people vote, uh, we'll have better policies. And frankly, we'll have uh, more Democrats that can effectuate these policies. I can't give you a prognosis. Life is too uncertain. Uh, I, I've been around long enough to understand that you never know what's around the next corner. I will tell you that people, including Republicans, uh, including independents, including men, are outraged by this decision stripping American women of this constitutional right, which is, I don't think, I'm trying to think another time when the Supreme Court has gone backwards and actually eliminated a well-enshrined constitutional right. This struck something very deep in Americans, including Republicans, and I've talked to a lot of them that are outraged by this decision. They recognize a rogue re Republican majority that is running rampage through American traditions here, and they feel threatened by it. And it's it's uh, understanding of what going backwards means. Again, this decision the Supreme Court has presaged, it's called Moore versus Harper, for their next term of office. If if they go that route and they they show every indication of going that route could basically uh, uh, allow legislators to do any damn thing they want in federal elections. They could district any way they want. They could decide even potentially to ignore the popular vote in state uh, elections for the president of the United States. That's how uh, radical this group is. And so that's why voting is <laughs> so much more important than it ever has been to do everything we can to restrain this, uh, this madness. Governor, we had By the way, thank you to the Washington Post. You editorialized in this subject this morning, and it recognized 
the danger. Look, in West Virginia, the Republicans in a 50-50 state, them Republican, gave 10 seats to Republicans and four to the Democrats. And, and this decision that probably will happen now will prevent the courts from doing anything about that. So this is gonna be gerrymandering uh, gone loose to the nth degree. That's very dangerous. It would destroy the effective representation of people in the U.S. House of Representatives. And unfortunately, Governor, we are all out of time, so we're gonna have to leave it there. But thank you so much for joining us today, Governor Inslee. Thank you, keep, keep writing. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.